Welcome to the Bridge Sermon Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message from our equipping pastor, Dennis Kozlov. To access other resources or to find out more information about our church, visit thebridgespringfield.com or find us on social media at The Bridge Springfield. We're still doing this series called Living in His Body. And in this series, we emphasize the communal or corporate aspect of your Christian life. The next series I'm excited about, Neil and I, we're going to do something that we will focus our attention on your individual personal walk with the Lord. We'll be talking about the things that you can cultivate in your walk with God in your personal private life. And that's going to be very, very good. But the problem in our society is our society is very much individualistic, dominated by the uh, consumerism. People go shopping every single day, sometimes without even leaving their house. Now everything is online. So people are always in, in a mode of shopping in a mode of consuming, in a mode of choosing the best product out there. I remember when I just moved to America about 10 years ago, I was talking to somebody I just met, and I said, what church do you go to? And he said, well, well, we kind of go to these three churches. I said, how? He said, well, you see, the the preaching is really good over there. The worship is amazing over here, and my kids really love this thing over here in this third church. Well, that's consumerism. Neil and I are trying to be straightforward and and honest with you and say, hey, just remind you a basic thing that need to shake us up and say, hey guys, a Christian life is a life of enjoyment and freedom internally, but it's a life of commitment and service externally. It's probably worth saying it again. A Christian life is a life of enjoyment. You enjoy the presence of God in your life. You enjoy the forgiveness of sins. You enjoy the favor of God in Jesus Christ. You enjoy God being happy with you because of Jesus. He embraces you. You enjoy the freedom from sin, from law, from religion, from anything, from being dependent on human opinions and words spoken about you. Yet deliberately you enjoy that freedom and enjoyment and you say, Lord, You're not only my Savior, you're my Lord, and I want to serve you. What are you about in this world? I want to join myself myself to what you're doing. And that becomes a life externally. It becomes a life of service and commitment. And that's why we did this series. We basically want to, to stir up a good sense in you and remind you that we're called. We're called to, to be connected with other Christians, to... Have an attitude of a servant, not a consumer. It's not about you. When you, be, when you embrace an attitude of a servant, you, you put aside your ego and you say, I'm going to be just like Jesus. I'm going to empty myself so that God would fill me and I would be able to serve others. He would serve others through me, right? This is, this is good, guys. This, this gives meaning to life, actually. Yeah. And commitment. There's nothing good that comes in this life without commitment. If you don't commit 
as a man to one woman, you won't have a happy family. If you don't commit, com Neil did a good job a few weeks ago to, to, to talk about community. Okay, I'm going to start today. I'm going to talk about Christian gatherings today. Okay, let me shift gears to a lighter mode. Okay, uh, I'll start with quoting this verse that most of you know, and I didn't give it to our media people, so I'll just say it. Uh, I'll just read it, and a lot of you know it by heart. Matthew 18, 20. This is the promise of Jesus. For where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst of them. Thank you, Derek. Derek believes it. <laughs> okay, so I, I, I'm, I'm going to remind you some basic things. When you received Lord as your Savior and, and Lord Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you, you didn't only receive Him as, save, as, as your Savior, you received Him as your Lord, and that means you actually pledged an allegiance to a different kind of citizenship. Do you know that? Or is there any big news for you? No? Okay. There is a, you got a new citizenship, and it's practiced by being together in a communal life. Jewish people understood that they are a very peculiar nation. They're very different from the rest of the world. Correct? Can I hear an amen to that? How did they practice this, this, this status of redeemed people, holy people of God? By gathering together on a regular basis. That set them aside in many ways. You know, the same thing here. How do we Christians practice our new heavenly citizenship? By gathering together. Is that a news for you or, or what? Okay, okay. First of all, I need to give you a disclaimer that I often have to give you. This series and this particular message is not a guilt trip message. It's not a guilt trip. I'm not trying to stir up some guilt feelings in you. No. I'm trying to bring you to the point where you will examine your beliefs and your practices. And you would, you would be intentional and deliberate about what you practice as a Christian. You know, I, I, I have this, I, I probably shared this story before. I met this young man, great young man, loves the Lord. And he came to me and he told me, Dennis, I'm struggling to be connected to your local church. And I said, well, well, I'm glad you realized that you're struggling. He said, but I'll try my best. And he tried and he would be part of the church for a few Sundays and then he will be gone for months, then for two, then for three, then he will try again. And then finally, like four months later when I haven't seen him, he, he called me and he asked me like, can we meet? I said, yeah. He said, first of all, I want to I wanna apologize before you. Forgive me. I'm trying my best. I've been trying my best to be part of the church. But some, something always happens. And before I know it, I look back, it's been two, three months since I've been to the church. And I told him, I really like you. Can I be honest with you? He said, yes, please. I said, I don't want to call you flaky, but you are flaky. It just like... If you practice something for long enough, that becomes who you are. That begins to define you. And in my book, in the church life, you are a flaky church member. Let me ask you another question. I said, of course, you know I'm a pastor. So I don't want to just start telling you how important it is to be. Let me be honest. Let me just 
not be a pastor right now. I'll take off my pastor hat. I'll be your friend and your brother in Christ. You have an internal conflict because somebody taught you that being in church is important. But your heart doesn't believe it. Your mind tells you, I'm supposed to be in the church. Your heart tells you, well, it's optional. I can skip it. And I said, actually, God is here right now. He's coming so good. Thank you, Jesus. So I said, you really need to come to the Lord and ask Him honest questions. Lord, teach me, what is this church thing is all about? Is it important for you? How do you see the gatherings, those, those, those groups of local churches? How, how do you see them? And I said also another thing is, and I'm, gonna, I'm not going to tell his story now. I'm going to tell my story. When I came to the States, I worked for a big church. And we've been waiting for our green card and for our legal status to be clear up. And before that happens, I could not change anything. And then I got my, my, my uh, permanent residentship. And then later, I got my citizenship. So as soon as I got my legal right to detach myself from my previous employment, which was a big church, we parted our ways. They're my friends. It just didn't work at the end of my term there. It just didn't work. And it would be weird for me to remain part of this church. So I started looking for another church. Meanwhile, I found a job at a warehouse. God bless Gordon Food Service Warehouse. It's a great Christian company. We have some representatives here today. Uh, and I tried to, to be connected to a local church somewhere because I also had in my mind like I'm supposed to be part of the church. Neil was my friend, but I didn't consider this church, so I started looking. And I, I found a church that I kind of liked in Beaver Creek, and I started going there, but it just didn't work. My, my schedule, night shift, and other things, and like before I knew it, I found myself six months, no church life. And I felt kind of okay with this. I'll be honest with you. I, I, I wasn't tormented or anything. I was so tired, by the way, so I didn't really care. So then... I looked and I, I found for the first time in my life, I found myself in a blue-collar environment. All my life I worked in a white-collar environment. I was at a Christian radio station. I was a translator. I was a preacher, blah, 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 all of these. And now I'm moving those heavy cases and I'm packing those semis. And I'm praising God or crying to God, get me out of here. Oh, Lord, thank you for this job, whatever. I like, it was amazing. I called it Gordon Food, uh, Gordon Food Service Biblical Institute. It taught me to pray. Well, anyway, in, in the middle of this uh, season, I discovered this whole new world of warehouses, all around us warehouses, working 24-7. A lot of people working there, hundreds of people, probably altogether thousands of people. A lot of them are Christians, and they have the weirdest schedule, so it doesn't work with a regular church schedule. So I come to Neil and I say, hey, Neil, have you ever thought of maybe starting a special service for, for like these people, warehouses people who have these weird schedules? And he said, yeah, that's a good idea. We talked about it. Let me talk about it. So we started talking and he said, let me run it by elders. And he, I'm sorry for making this story uh, long, but is that okay? Yeah. I'm, I'm, yeah. So Neil ran it by elders and elders uh, 
disgusted and Neil comes back to me and he said hey elders really like you they heard you preach several times at our church they like you as a preacher but they don't really know you and they said and they like your idea but before before you you do anything they want you to become a member of our church to be regular they want to get to know you they want to build a trust with you they want to understand you. They want to understand how reliable you are. And you, you said, so, and Neil was like, would you consider joining the church officially as a member, making it your church? And I said, well, let me talk to my wife. I'm smart. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know how they do that, like they listen to any complaints or anything. He said, let me talk to my manager. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, I talked to my wife. And my wife said, yeah, let's do it. I said, how come so quickly? No prayer, no nothing. She said, we've been away from church for six months and our little daughter is growing and she's watching us. And I don't want her to grow knowing that church is not important for us. That got me. I said, wow, you're spiritual, I'm not. Because like, I'm telling you, if you, you have noticed, men are, yeah, they're like, it's all about me. It's about my calling, my this, my that, my that. And I said, look at the kids that we have. Yeah, well, that's good. So that was very convincing for me and very convicting to me. And I said, Neil, I'm becoming part of the church. I'm becoming a member of the church. And I commit to this church. And before I knew it, I was a regular preacher. And then before I knew it, I became an elder. And then before I knew it, I, I became a pastor. And then before I knew it, all of you showed up. No, just, just kidding, just kidding. I, I don't describe that. It's, it's not that. But you see what happens when you commit to something specific that the Lord calls you to commit. God blesses. God blesses commitment. And again, you know me as a preacher. I preach the grace of God. I don't preach the price that we need to pay for something that Jesus paid for. We receive it as a gift. That's why it's so good, guys. It's so good. The other night I was talking to, to one of the sisters here on the phone, and she expressed some concerns about the content of this message. And I said, thank you for calling me. And said, you know what? The, re the reason she was concerned, she said, like, it might come across as judgmental. Guys, are you feeling that I'm judging you? thank you because she said I don't I know and I said sister I sometimes I feel bad that God ruined me by the message of grace because I'd be such a good Bremen fire and hell and fire preacher would you envision I think I would get you here on your knees with your like tea in tears and snots every Sunday but God spoke, I'm not about that. I'm not in that business, dude. I'm loving people. I'm inviting them into my pure goodness. My son took all of the pain so that you would have no pain. You would be healed. You would be healed by my goodness. Hey, praise the Lord. Okay, calm down, Dennis. Yes. So God ruined my career as a, as a, as a, as a hellfire and brimstone. Because in the 50s, it was easy. Go to church or go to hell. 
And now I want to preach to you. Come to church without being afraid. Go into hell. So, so that's my goal today. It's not a guilt trip, as I said, you know. But I'm trying to, I'm trying to stir up this hope and expectation when you come together, when you practice Christian gathering. You know, I, I <laughs> another story. I'm full of stories today. Is that okay? I'm like Jewish rabbi today. They're always full of stories. Maybe I should grow a big beard. So in early 90s, when Soviet Union just collapsed, there was not much capitalism yet. So there was not much so-called nightlife. So no night bars, no nightclubs. So on Saturday night, there was nothing available for people. So people didn't hang up through the night. They would go to bed. And on Sundays, everybody was trying to catch up on, with their sleep. So people would sleep in. The only people in the city of St. Petersburg where I grew up, eight or six million people, the only people on public transportations, people didn't have private cars back then, not many people had them, the only people on public transportation on morning, Sunday morning were Christians. That was, it was not congested, but it was beautiful. And everybody knew where everybody's going. <laughs> and everybody was pulling their Bibles in the subway and like, it was so amazing. For like three years, you just know if you're in the morning, if you're su Sunday morning, you're on a public transportation, most of the people are Christians and they're going to their churches. That was so cool, guys. So let me ask you a question. There, uh, and now, again, not a guilt trip. But on Sunday, uh, there are 52 Sundays in each year. How many of those Sundays do you guys... Do you think you go to church? I don't know. Uh, you, you, you do your own math. But that's not the important question. The important question is why do you go to church? Because today age is very different. Today, if you come to receive something, which I'm, I understand you come to receive something, you receive something. But what is it that you receive here in this place that you cannot receive in the comfort of your living room? Yeah. Once again, I'll, I'll ask that, and some people started speaking Greek. Koinonia. <laughs> Fellowship, yeah. Some people English. Exactly this. You know, in, in the comfort of my living room, I can watch the best preachers. You can watch preachers that are way better than me or Neil at the tip of your fingers, on your phone, on your TV today, easily, paying nothing for that sitting in your pajamas and just watching the best preacher. You can put your iPods in like headset and have a wonderful worship that is probably better than our worship team. And you can like turn your heart to the Lord. And he, so why come here? Well, Christian gatherings is a practice that has been practiced for 2,000 years ago. Let me bring you another story. I'm full of stories today. I'm Dennis the rabbi today. On a regular basis, Neil and I hear people. And irony is sometimes th these are the people who come here on Sundays. They say, well, it's all nice that you do on Sundays, but eh, it's not really that valuable or significant because we just want, 
it's all organized religion we don't believe in organized religion I want to ask them like do you believe in disorganized religion like but the thing is <laughs> and one time I got mad at one of the brothers who told me this he's talking to me and I just dude like so you're telling me Neil that we are spending our time like you do you know to, for this to happen for this to happen for this to happen there are people who put hours of work to prepare this time and space so if you just come and say yeah this is, your organized religion is a crap so you're telling us like we we're 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 wasting our effort and time and and money and energy and all of that no <laughs> so I told him brother I come from the former Soviet Union and I personally know people who spent years in jail for just having a New Testament in their possession and today you might not be aware but there are people who are persecuted for the Christian faith today there are people who are killed who are thrown in jail who who, who are deprived of their kids kids are taken away from families because of their Christian beliefs do you know that do you know that all of these people, they dream to see the day when they can get together openly and vocally to call on the name of the Lord together. And you're telling me that this is nothing. This is not significant. That means nothing. Brother, you're delusional. I didn't tell him that. I told him that in my heart. I didn't say it with my mouth. But like, seriously, guys. And here we are in America, and we think <laughs> that the church gathering to worship is optional. Koinonia. Well, let me, uh, let me put it this way. There are two aspects of Christian gatherings that we, you need to understand. Some people don't believe in value of any Christian gatherings. And I call them the dot. It's just me and Jesus. They're delusional. Look the Bible. Look up the Bible. All the pronouns you in the New Testament, most of them, 90% of them, is not a singular personal pronoun you, meaning you Steve, or you Jessica, or you Dennis. It's, it's a Texas you. It's y'all together. You know, all the wonderful fruits of the Spirit that you read about, oh, I want Lord just produce the fruit of the Spirit in me. Check them carefully. They are tested and expressed in the context of fellowship. It's easy to think you're spiritual when nobody rubs shoulders with you. How? Oh, I'm full of patience. Show me. <laughs> right? But I want you to understand. So some Christians are just dots. They're delusional. They need to, yeah, they need to their high eyes open. But there are some Christians who appreciate the value of gatherings, but they only see one side of a gathering, one side of koinonia, one side of fellowship. Uh, horizontal it's one another side and it's beautiful and it's needed because you see what's happening right now you're sitting in the rows and your attention is turned to one this spot and I'm speaking to you and we prayed so that God would speak to you and if you're open God will speak to you and he's speaking right now then later we'll turn all of our attention to something else we'll begin to worship together but it's impossible to do one another in rows or nearly impossible one another is done in circles 
Do you hear me? That's why we encourage you to get in to get involved to 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 be to become part of so-called connect groups we we have a wonderful connect group in, in my house and we do it every few months so please please be part of some circles in this church but today i specifically wanted to tell you and by the way there are plenty of one another do you understand what i'm talking about one another love one another forgive one another all these one another i put some here but Bear one another's burdens, forgive one another, encourage one another, pray for one another, teach and admonish one another. They are all there. This is the, uh, the, this is the horizontal. So a shape of a cross will help you to remember that. Our gatherings have to have this cross thing. It should have, you must have both. It, it's not an option. You don't get to choose between vertical side of fellowship and horizontal side of fellowship. Otherwise, it's, it's not, you're, you're not choosing one against the other. Another story from Rabbi Dennis, my first car that I ever bought was a piece of crap. It was a Russian car. Say with me, Lada. That's the name of Russian car. Stay away from it. I bought a used car and when I paid and I started driving it, I discovered it can only turn right. I'm not kidding. So before I fixed it for a month, I had to pull out the map. And figure out how in the world can I get from point A to point B by right turns only. That's what happens to you, my friend, if you choose just one or the other. If you only Sunday worship service Christian, you're missing a lot. You're not growing as you're supposed to. If you're only like, I don't believe in organized religion, I only do my blah, 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 <laughs> thing. That's fellowship. You're missing a lot. Can I hear him, man? All right, good. Okay, so, uh, so I'm not going to read the scriptures about one another. You, you've seen plenty. I, and my time is running out. So I'm going to speak for the last few minutes that I have about the vertical side. The vertical side. You see, gathering on the first day of the week has been a 2,000 years old practice. Why? You know, the first Christians, for the first 300 years, they were persecuted. Do you know that? Do you know that every time they would gather, they were risking their life? You don't want to dishonor that. You inherited that. You stand on the shoulders of that, of generations that died so that we would continue and America became the country that is free to do that. Amen. And you're saying it's not important. Yeah. Don't be stupid. I'm going to step on, on some people's uh, toes right now very carefully and gently. And I'm not judging. And I'm not saying that I understand. Actually, I'm telling you, I don't understand. So please help me to understand it. I see families disappearing from the church for months during the season of children's sports. And I'm not judging. I just don't understand. Because on one hand, you, you want to show support to your kids. On the other hand, you're sending the message that church is optional. NFL, I was told, I don't know anything about American sports. NFL, I was told, purposefully have their games no earlier than 1 p.m. 
You know why? Because church. So they want to compete. But somehow youth and kids already lost ground. So the problem is that in 10 years, most of those kids will treat church as optional. And most of them will not be in the church gatherings. But Muslims will be. Okay, it's, I don't know what to do with this. I have no clue. I'm just telling you that I see a big problem and I don't understand it. I, I don't know what to do with this. But I know one thing. So one sister called me and she said, Dennis, be careful bringing that. Because parents are torn apart because they don't know what to do. And she said, I was a pastor's kid. And our daddy made us go to church. But you know what it produced in me? It produced resentment. I didn't rebel outwardly, but inside... I was rebellious. I didn't want to be in the church. So be careful not to encourage parents to just impose the church on their kids. And I say, you know what? Don't. Don't impose. And today, I mean, so, so much irony. This morning, I'm trying to come up with the like, final thoughts for my message, which is kind of being birthed right now. And my daughter shows up and said, Dad, can we skip the church today? <sighs> and I said, honey, you know, I'm a pastor. <laughs> But that's not important. I said, don't you understand? No, we Christians, we go to church every Sunday. Every Sunday we can. And guys, I understand. And those who watch online who cannot be part of the church service because of the medical conditions, I understand you. Please reach out to us. We'll try to support. We'll try to have some kind of a group. But I'm talking about people who are healthy. So my daughter goes, well, dad. And she goes, she turns on the inner attorney she said well technically i'm not a christian yet i haven't been baptized <laughs> i said go to mom go talk to mom <laughs> okay so i'm coming back to my so i want to stress something so gathering on the first day of the week has been a 2000 years old practice and it was to celebrate the Lord's resurrection. First day of the week is the day when the Lord was raised from the dead. And worship Him as God in the assembly of the redeemed. You cannot do it in your living room. But over time, we, especially people in the West... We forgot that it's also time when you come to experience His presence and His glory. And I asked this lady, I said, when you were little, when your dad made you come to church, was there anything you enjoyed in the church? And she said, well, I had friends. So I said, you enjoyed hanging out with your friends and talking to your friends, right? She said, yeah. If you're honest, is that the only thing you enjoyed in the church? She said, yeah. I hate to be church like that. I believe that if Jesus' presence is real and tangible in the church, kids can register that. 
Last year, Stephen Bell told me, Judah came to me, my son, and he said, Dad, I think I felt the Lord's presence for the first time. When we were worshiping, my heart began to race and this rush of heat or something like, something was happening to me, Lord. Do you, uh, Dad, do you think it was the Lord? Absolutely. Absolutely. So, I want to remind you, so unfortunately today and for many centuries, Christian churches were like gatherings when people give them lectures from the podium and then they sing songs about God and then they go home. Do you know that wasn't the case in the beginning? A Christian theology of worshiping assembly begins with Israel's understanding of holy convocations. Have you heard this expression, holy convocation? That's not the horizontal. That's together, but the heart is not turned to one another. The hearts are turned in unison Godwards. And Jewish people knew that if you want to come and to experience God's presence, God's presence. God's is everywhere, theologically, but experientially, God's presence is found in the temple. The closer you get to the Holy of Holies, the closer you get to a personal presence of God. There was an Ark of the Covenant in the middle of the Holy of Holies, and that represented the very seat of God, the throne of God. And, and it, was a, it was a shadow of a real thing. Do you know that you guys, you and me, we got a real thing? So when you practice experiencing presence of God in your daily walk as a Christian, this is absolutely indispensable. But do you know that when people like that gather together, and whatever experiences they have with the Lord, they join them together and turn them to the Lord and pour out their heart in worship, do you know that you can expect the presence of God to come and fill the place? In the same way that it was in the old covenant. And it can be manifested. The presence of God in Hebrew called Shekinah. And Jewish people until today, they believe in its reality. That's why they pray uh, at the wailing wall in Jerusalem. They, they believe that the, a little residual Shekinah is still there. They don't know that when Jesus died... The veil was torn apart, and Shekinah was made available to people. God's personal presence has come into you. But when you come together vertically just to worship Him, just to serve Him, just to minister to Him, He comes and begins to minister to you. And this glory, this presence of God begins to manifest. He makes Himself known. And it can take all kinds of shapes and forms. In my short lifespan, I've seen, I've seen things. I've seen miracles happen. I've seen, I experienced angelic visitations in the middle of worship. Uh, I, I've, I've heard testimonies how the cloud, the same cloud that was in the Old Testament would fill the place like this and people wouldn't be able to see each other. Kids would play in the cloud and jump in the cloud. They didn't understand what's happening. It just felt good. All kinds of things can happen if you learn to honor not just the horizontal gathering, 
but vertical gathering. And that's why we gather here on Sundays. We have time and place for one another. But there is time and place for unto thee, O Lord, do I lift up my heart. You know, I'm gonna, at the end, I'm going to read this verse in the book of Hebrews, at the very end, right here. Hebrews 12, 22 through 24. The author of the book of Hebrews writes to Christians who are tempted to go back to the Old Testament, to the old temple. And he said, you guys, you haven't come to the physical stuff. You have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, to the heavenly Jerusalem, to the innumerable angels in festal gathering, to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect. I read one theologian last week. He said some people go to a funeral to remember their deceased ones. He said, I understand that some people derive comfort from that. He said, every time I lose somebody dear and significant to me who is a Christian, I am so comforted when I get together with other Christians on Sunday because this gathering is actually, it's not rehearsing something that will happen in heaven one day. It's actually joining forces together. Do you know that saints of previous ages who have reached the perfection, they're worshiping with us right now? Angels are worshiping. Heaven is never quiet. Very rarely it is quiet. It's very noisy. There's a lot of stuff going on. So when, when we get together and we begin to worship, when we do this vertical fellowship, koinonia, with the Son, with the Spirit, with the Father, with the saints, with the angels, with Elijah, with Moses, with all the saints of the past, with all the mighty warriors of God of the past, we join in the same flow. Did you hear anything today? Okay. All right. Well, so let's, let's practice right now and expect. Please, please come. I want to come back to the question, Alec. Why do you come on Sundays? Why not to enjoy it from the comfort of your living room or from re record on your phone? You can't. There are things that you cannot replace. There's a tangible experience of the presence of God that can take different shapes and forms. People can get their healings. People can have the word from God that can change their life forever. One word from God can change your life forever. And through you change lives of thousands of people forever. We all receive it in the flow that is vertical when we worship God. So right now, let, let's practice that. Okay, guys, I hope I didn't mess up my message too much. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this message. We hope you received a fresh revelation of the gospel of grace and that you experience the goodness of God in your everyday life. For more content like this or to stream our services live, visit thebridgespringfield.com. Have an awesome week.